you want to be that magnificent force that is there, but what are we doing to set ourselves up for that success? Are we constantly talking about it versus the action that is there? Are we living in theory versus reality? What are we doing? Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? Registration for the ADHD Essentials Parent Coaching Groups is open yet again. The groups launch on January 24th, that's a Monday, and run through March 17th, a Thursday. There's a little bit of a change this time. We're meeting on Mondays and Thursdays instead of Mondays and Wednesdays. So if you haven't been able to sign up because you had a conflict on Wednesday, this is the time to get on board. The groups will meet at 12 p.m. Eastern or at 5 p.m. Eastern. We meet for an hour. We run for all eight weeks between January 24th and March 17th. For more information, go to ADHDessentials.com slash parentgroups. Or to sign up, email me at brendan at adhdessentials.com. And of course, check out our partner podcasts, ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers, our flagship show, Hacking Your ADHD with Will Curb, ADHD Diversified with MJ, and The ADHD Friendly Lifestyle with Moira Mabin. Each of them is excellent in their own way. I highly recommend listening. And speaking of listening, please tune in to all of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network, for a live Q&A the second Tuesday of every month at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Go to ADHDrewired.com events to register. If you're looking to give me a gift for the holidays, I would love a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast player of choice. It really helps others find this show. Finally, this episode, like so many others, was edited by Jeffrey Gordon of Ideal Video Strategies. I am honored to have him on the team. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking to ADHD John John. John is a minority black male and men's health advocate with ADHD. I've been following him on Twitter for a long time now, and I'm excited to finally have him on the show. In today's episode, John and I talk about having ADHD and learning how to live. We discuss working at thriving rather than just surviving, the importance of taking action, vulnerability, being mindful rather than just having your mind full, and managing anxiety. All right, let's get rolling. My name is uh, John. Everyone knows me on uh, social media as ADHD John John. I am a minority black male with um, ADHD, mental health advocate. Also, um, I like to talk about just men's mental health in general, trying to normalize that. Avid music listener, sneakerhead, obviously, sneaker historian, just a jack of all trades. And mental health is just something that, honestly, I'm so glad it, it touched a 
a special place in my life because I'm really about wanting to be a beacon of light and just a beacon of change. And I feel like this is the perfect place to do it. What got you into wanting to be a beacon of change and a beacon of health, specifically in the mental health sphere? Understanding myself. I went through a really rough patch a couple of years ago. And sometimes you have that tower moment where everything just falls and you're left standing still. And when you're standing still, you're present and you start realizing everything that's around you. You start being aware. You start seeing that, look, everything happens for a reason. A lot of things that happen in your life is due to maybe some habits, maybe some patterns that you did not know that exist. And, you know, so I've, I've been in therapy. I did therapy through college. And one of the things that was there was ADHD. I only knew ADHD from the stereotype. Can't focus. I knew it as a negative label. I looked at it as something that made me different and not in a good way. And I wanted to finally understand it. And when I started doing research and started finding out there's not many people who look like me talking about it and that can relate to some of the, the circumstances and some of the things that we go through, um, regardless of whatever race you are. And if it's not there, you got to be it. You got to create that space. And I just, I jumped the gun and I've not turned back and it's introduced me into so many great people such as yourself. So I'm appreciative. One of the things that I like to say, and I think you just said it with different words, when you said, if it's not there, you got to be it, right? One of the things I talk about is how I have become the person that I needed when I was a kid. And it sounds like that's kind of the same thing you've done. Am I onto something here? Yes. A lot of us, we don't realize that our age, it's just mileage on our vessel, but it's that mind that can stay in a certain place for such a long time that it can stop your growth. Um, a lot of us are children in an adult body. And a lot of our growth stopped when we encounter trauma or we encounter something that disrupted our lives and we're learning how to build a life around it instead of facing it. And that's why people like me and you are here to not only share our stories, but to encourage people that that is something that it's okay to do. It's okay to control your narrative. It's okay to be your unique individual as you are. Your mental is not a death sentence. And that's something I'm just going to live by. And I hope everybody else listens to this and listens to a lot of a lot of your material that you put out there they listen to it with the intent to really learn that you can be in control of a lot of things if you just get up get out there and do something about it and that transitions me to your recent tweet that we were talking about before we started recording before we talked about 90s hip-hop for like 10 minutes um <laughs> <laughs> this is my guy right here guys like this dude is awesome so many ways so I'm just going to read the tweet because I think it's it's a great way to sort of dig deeper into this conversation. And it says, no one was really taught how to live. We know how to survive and die by default. Sit with that for a second. And so I, 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 I'd love to play with this for a little while because wh what were you thinking when you posted it? Where are you going with that? So um, I was having a daily conversation with one of my close buddies and we love just talking about life and just unpacking. Um, we like to do Monday check-ins with each other, seeing how each other's weekends went. Anything that's on our mind, just put it on the table. And we were sitting there, we were just thinking about ourselves and we, we were taking a second to just be present and stop. And you really just think about where you are in life. And you start thinking like, okay, I'm not where I need to be, but I know where I should be going. But why am I not there now? How can I take accountability for why I'm not where I perceive myself to be? And a lot of the times we hold ourselves back and don't even know it. 
And when we do that, instead of taking the responsibility for it and accountability for it, we know how to place the blame somewhere else besides turn into ourselves. A lot of us can get complacent to a routine. We get complacent to, you know, we do just a little bit to get by, but not enough for us to live afloat, like above the water. It's like the tip of the iceberg. I don't want to be the tip of the iceberg. I want that iceberg rooted out of the ocean and I want it to exist as that mountain on land. And I want people to be able to see it. You want to be that magnificent force that is there, but what are we doing to set ourselves up for that success? Are we constantly talking about it versus the action that is there? Are we living in theory versus reality? What are we doing? How many of us deposit excuses every single day expecting results of wealth? We can't do that. Like you just, you can't. And linking it back to us with our ADHD, you think about your mind and ruminating thoughts. It's like you have 18 million light bulbs that go off at once, but the second you turn one off, one pops back up. But it's like to be able to be still and just focus on one thing and then just make that happen feels like you can see it, you can envision it, but you can't put yourself physically in that space to do it. And that's why we should really start just looking like, dude, we need to live. We're unhappy. We have COVID. We got these nine to five jobs we're living. We're sitting behind our desks, not really doing everything that we want to do. I'm in a spot where I'm not, I don't even have a bunch of different light bulbs right now. Right. I'm in a spot where I'm trying to decide which light bulb I want to turn on. Like, what is the thing that I want to do next? And specifically with regard to my business, because as all the listeners know, I spent all of last year homeschooling my kids. So the business kind of fell to secondary land, right? Like I, I was completely surviving for all of COVID there. And especially the business, the business was like, okay, like wheezing and hoping that it wasn't going to die kind of a thing. <laughs> Cause my kids mattered more, right? Like I wanted them to live and them to thrive. And like, I was of the mentality that there's going to be a vaccine sooner rather than later. Cause this is important and we have good science and we'll figure it out. And yay, I was right. Um, so now they're in school. They have been since September and I'm just now starting to go like, all right, I need to grow the business. What's next. Do I write the book? Do I launch a coaching group? based around the wall of awful do i record like instructional videos about what adhd is and how it works like the actual adhd essentials that is the name of the show and the business should i make that video series like what's next right that to me i think is a piece of this surviving and dying by default right if i don't make that decision soon if i don't commit to something i'm just surviving it, i don't get to thrive i don't get to live until i make that decision and make that commitment and then you think about it, you start looking at what's out there and you're just like, you know what? That needs to be me. That person can't relay this topic the way that I can, but no one's ever going to know it because you did not take that leap of faith to do it. So the person that is there doing it, that's what separates you from them. It's the fact that they did something about it and now they're being recognized for it and you're stuck back in your thoughts and that's all you have left over. And it's like, how much potential do we waste every single day being trapped in our thoughts, not doing something about it? Right. But looking at someone else, criticizing someone else, um, saying like, damn, I wish that was me. Well, don't wish it was you. Put yourself in that position. And I don't believe in failure, you know? Like, I believe in as long as you can learn from it, as long as there's a lesson to learn from it, you never failed because you tried it. And connected to that, connect, because I've had a few times I've like looked at someone and been like, man, how come they're doing all this amazing stuff? And I'm not right. 
there's one guy in particular who's like writing articles and doing all this research and stuff. And, he, and every now and then I look at him, he's a friend of mine and I'm like, Holy, like, how do you do all this research in ADHD and like write these articles for attention magazine? Like, what am I missing? But sometimes when we get that sort of like, it's not really imposter syndrome. It's like envy, I guess, for lack of a better word. Right. Sometimes we then have to turn back and look at ourselves. Cause when I did that, it got a lot easier. Cause I went, Oh wait, but you know what he's not doing? He's not posting a weekly podcast. That's why I'm not doing that. Sometimes there's a reason, right? Sometimes there's like, the fact is there's only so much energy and there's only so much time in the day. And the reason I'm not doing what he's doing is because I'm doing what I'm doing and it's equally valued. It's just different. But I want to also honor, like the more time we spend perseverating and thinking about and getting stuck in our thoughts, the less time we're taking action. So I do have time to write a book. I just need to stop thinking about writing a book. I do have time to record a video series. I just have to stop thinking about recording the video series. I got to do. Yeah. And I mean, you know, with us, when it comes to ADHD, we have a lot of ideas and, you know, our interests are sparked easily, uh, especially when a neurotransmitter fires off that, that dopamine that's right there. That, that's a wrap. Like we're on it, but it's not guaranteed to always be there. And so we're not people who can just get up and just constantly keep doing something over and over and over. We burn out quick because we're thinking about it so much. Thinking takes bandwidth. Um, doing something takes bandwidth. And so if you've already gassed it out by just thinking about it, being stimulated by it, you know, you're kind of like set up for failure right then and there. So even though I don't, you know, necessarily believe in failure, I do believe in like, you know, just being idle and just inactivity and just really understanding that we can be successful in increments. As long as we keep doing things a little bit at a time and keep ourselves constantly flowing, we're good. We're golden. Again, we're, it's not a death sentence. We just have to navigate this world and look at life in a whole different lens. But we were never a mistake in creation. That like kind of whittling away at stuff. That's something that I struggle with. Like I have trouble doing a little bit of something and then I'll come back to it later. I, I'm like, no, I feel like I have to do this now. That's part of the book problem. You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to sit down and write a book because nobody does that. <laughs> that's that's nope. not possible. But I don't feel like sitting down and writing for an hour because that's such a small component of sitting down and writing a book. It doesn't feel worth it, but it's the only way the book gets written. And that that paradox is something I've been trapped in for years now. Like I, that's, that's why the wall of awful book is not out. That and, and life and children and a global pandemic. But a big piece of it is like that finding an hour to sit down and write a book doesn't feel worth it. I feel like I should, I don't know, take a week off from everything and go hide in a hut somewhere in the woods that has Wi-Fi, I guess. And that's where I should write. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know, we're connected to ADHD (laughs) Wi-Fi every day. We find something, we find something to entertain ourselves with out of literally nothing. Any, any place we go to, we can pick out the most random thing right then and there and just boom, hyper-focus on it. But that's what makes us unique because we stay in that, that right plane of our, our minds where our creativity, it lies. I like to say we're born outside the box. So if we're somebody who's born outside the box, trying to put us in a box and close us off on our potential and what we can do, it's hard. It's hard for us to conform. We need to be able to freely just think. And that's why we excel at just, God knows, like, when it comes to the arts, we are amazing. Uh, when it comes to technology and 
in, like inventions we're amazing improv we're quick like super quick i love it even though there are things about adhd that obviously feels like you know we're just damned here on this earth i can enjoy a lot of things with it oh yeah a lot of it i was just doing i was in another couple of towns over recording some videos about like my sort of my entrepreneurial voyage, I guess. And then a little bit of ADHD stuff too. And it's interesting because the, the woman who was interviewing me and this connects to what we're talking about, I promise at some point she started asking me about vulnerability and why is that important and all this kind of stuff. And it's weird to me because people I'll do a workshop and folks will be like, thank you for being so vulnerable. Right. Mm -hmm. And I never feel like I'm being vulnerable. Like I'm, I'm being honest and real and transparent and that kind of stuff, but it doesn't feel vulnerable. Like it just feels like, no, I, sometimes I suck and that's, that's the nature of my disorder. And that doesn't make me being vulnerable. That just makes me recognizing that ADHD is nothing if not inconsistent. And some days I'm the greatest person to walking the face of the planet. And some days I don't know why they let me out of my house. And that's just the way it goes. Like yep. that doesn't feel vulnerable to me, but to the outside observer statements like that coming out of my face, apparently seem like to them, I'm being vulnerable and, and an open book and all that stuff, which I suppose is true about the open book part. But to me, that doesn't feel vulnerable. So it's an interesting component to all of this around as a man, right. And, and, and being mental health, mentally healthy, I guess. Some of that is vulnerability, but I, I guess becoming comfortable with vulnerability. So it doesn't, it's not as vulnerable. Am I making sense? It's one of those things that with us and how our minds work, how we're wired, we become aware of so many things at once that when it comes to someone who maybe not be wired the way we are, when they have to just try to think about it, they're just like, oh my God, like how, why, like, why is that there? And it's just, that's just how we operate. We're constantly processing, even though we have a process delay, we're constantly processing like everything that's around us, including life, including who we are. And to understand who you are, you have to have some form of vulnerability. The reason why sometimes it might be hard for people to be vulnerable is because when you're in that, that box, you can only go but so far. When you're outside of it, you can go any and everywhere and just see things from a different lens. And because we're already born in that world, that's what makes us just so used to it. Struggling back to surviving and dying by default, right? You've already talked about you have Monday check-ins with your friend. To me, that sounds like practicing how to live instead of just surviving by default and surviving and dying by default, right? What are the things that you're doing to live and to thrive as opposed to just survive? Mindfulness, just being still some days, a few seconds in the day. Because if you really just sit down, we're constantly on the move. We're, like Our bodies are constantly a representation of our mind. We're on the move. We have a routine here. We have a routine there. We're on a go, 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 go. But then when we stop, as you can see with this global pandemic, everything goes into complete chaos, especially like the hysteria and everything that's behind it because everybody is forced to sit still. Um, that disruption that is there. So when I sit down, I just take everything in, whether it's a deep breath, or, you know, just listening to everything that's around me, what I can see, what I can hear, what I can feel, what I can taste. I feel like I am fully aware of where I am at life at that exact moment, because I gave myself a little bit of time to just breathe and not constantly be on the go. Um, reminding myself that I'm a work in progress. 
you know, I say the cliche thing, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, things take time. Understanding your mind takes time. Um, being mindful takes time. It's a practice. We want everything now, like so super rapid, where you take someone with ADHD that's on like the hyperactivity side, you just you're like, oh, I can't sit still. But honestly, to do it, it really can help us out. And I'd rather be mindful than have a mind that is constantly full, if that makes sense. I like that. That's awesome. It's like if my mind is not constantly full with something, I can literally start to fill it up with the things that are around me slowly versus constantly being overly stimulated by everything surging at me all at once. I kind of create like a boundary on reality, whereas like, hold up, wait, before I process this, let me do this at my speed. And I remind myself, you know what? At the end of the day, regardless of your mental disorder, regardless of where you are in life, you are still human. And so that a lot, there's a lot of mindfulness in there, right? There's a lot of creating that pause before the stimulation hits. Yep. And also a lot of what you just talked about is really anxiety management. And that's, that's critical here, right? Because we can't get out of survival mode without recognizing our own level of anxiety, recognizing the things that are getting our anxiety going and moving through it so that we can get out of it. That's where we start to thrive. That's where we start to live is when we get that anxiety tamped down and manage more effectively. And a lot of what you just shared is stuff that I work with my clients on. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Like anxiety is something that's, that's one thing people don't realize is that anxiety discriminates against nobody, everybody, whether you're neurodiverse, whether you're neurotypical, whatever label you want to be, anxiety is there. It can hit you. It can keep you completely still. It can make you floored. Like you got cement shoes on and you can't walk. You can't pick your feet up. And with us, I know with me, one of the biggest things I love is my headphones. Like if I go out into the mall or a large group, I take in a lot of things to take in every single sound that's there. The, the smells, the sights, everything overstimulates me. When I put that, those headphones on, I become one with whatever song is there, whatever that vibration is there. And I flow with that. And I create a sense of the world flowing around me. And I'm just navigating straight through it versus being placed in chaos. Like you're Waldo on the Where's Waldo freaking drawing. And you're just like, I need to make myself visible for somebody to finally see me <laughs> out of all of this. <laughs> um, I need some normalcy. And yeah, man, managing anxiety, it's not easy. It's, it's not. It, it, it's, it's depleting. And I'm not afraid to shut down sometimes. I learned how to look at things that influence my anxiety a lot, like sometimes too much social media, too much interaction, too much being full crowds of people. And I take breaks and I don't have to explain it to anybody because it's for me. I mentioned that I homeschooled my kids when they went back to school. I took like two or three weeks and didn't do much. And when I say I didn't do much, like in the course of not doing much, I launched this round of the parent coaching groups. I met with clients and I continued to post my podcast. So like for me, not doing much was I didn't homeschool my kids and the hours that were filled up with my children while they were at school, I didn't backfill immediately. So I still had probably 20 hours of work in the week, I guess I'm going to say, but I didn't go, I can fill the other 20 because I should be working 40 hours or whatever. Like I slowed that up a little bit and took that time. And it was important like that, letting yourself stop when you're 
tapped out and at the edge is important. That's a, that's how we get out of survival mode. And also another thing that, that anxiety does, right? Like when I work with my coaching groups and sometimes I do workshops on anxiety too, and I have this little, like a chart of smiley faces, you know, the pain scale of like the smiley faces that like, they go from smiley to kind of grimacing and it's like, how much pain are you in? Yep. I, I took that as the model and turned it into an anxiety model where like how much, how anxious are you as opposed to how much pain are you in? And then it also deescalates, right? Cause anxiety comes up and goes back down again. But I talk about how when we're managing anxiety, what we want to do is figure out what our baseline is. Cause a lot of us think our baseline is no anxiety. They're like, Oh, I just don't have any anxiety. And then all of a sudden I'm a raving madman. It's like, no, you're not like your anxiety is probably really high, but it feels normal. You feel like you're calm, except that you're not, you're an inch away from snapping because your anxiety is so high. You're just not aware of it. And, and so a lot of what you've been describing is, is strategies to sort of slowly get away from that spike of anxiety and reduce the baseline anxiety level from a seven to like a five or a four or something so that you have more space before you explode. Is that, am I making sense? Yeah, it's, it's a great scale to go off of. Um, last time I saw a scale like that was when I had uh, tore my labrum and I was going through physical therapy and they were just like, okay, so on a scale from this smiley face, to this smiley face, how does this feel? And the emoji that pops up for me is the one with all the bad words coming out of it because it hurt real bad. <laughs> but a lot of times anxiety becomes so much of a norm that you know how to function through chaos. You are highly functioning through that anxiety that if something starts to happen to you, you're just like, oh, my God, it hit me out of nowhere. But the signs were there from the get go because it is what you know how to do. It's crazy how we spend our whole entire life being conditioned to doing things a certain way. And then when we find out it no longer serves us, we have to unlearn all of that. And that's years, decades worth of just so much of just being. The thing that instantly came to my mind was it's like finding your voice. Like when you're dealing with anxiety, when you're dealing with like depression, it feels like you're screaming on the water for help. No one hears you. Sound and water, if people know anything about that, it's not a really good combination whatsoever. Um, unless you have some really powerful sonar. You're you're so swamped and you're so just surrounded by just everything. You feel like you're just yelling underwater and nobody hears you. But what happens when you're not just, you know, just the tip of the iceberg? You finally raise up out of that water right then and there. People can hear you. Not only can they hear you, you can hear yourself because your voice actually can echo. It has room to move. Like we say, making space. If so much chaos is right there holding everything down how can you make space for anything that's great in your life right there because there's nowhere for it to exist you got to take that breath and release and you also sometimes you have to recognize the chaos even right because there's there's plenty of adhd folks that are surrounded by chaos and they're like i don't know why i can't find someone good to date everybody <laughs> i date is crazy and it's like no that's you're doing that like you're you need the chaos to function because you haven't learned how to function in calm yet and your relationships are going to stay chaotic until you learn how to function in calm and can have a different kind of relationship until you can reassess. It's one of those things where we've been human beings for millions of years, but yet we have not mastered what it is to be human. We're constantly learning different things every single day um, about how the mind just ticks, how the mind is so powerful. Like the movie Limitless, you can do anything 
I don't want that. I don't. <laughs> I watched Limitless and I was like, that's what it's like to have ADHD. Yep. That movie screamed at me as I watched it. When he was on the Limitless drug, I was like, that's when I'm on my game. That's how amazing I feel. And then when he crashed, I'm like, that's when I'm off my game. That's how awful I feel. Mm -hmm. Like that movie really, really spoke to me. I might have to watch it again now that you're reminding me it exists. It's like um, in the gym, um, hit training, high intensity interval training. You're either up or you're super down. There's never a plateau for us. We're constantly at the ends of one extreme or the other. And our lives are just a constant battle of trying to level ourselves out to be able to get to that plateau, but not realizing that, you know what, there are ways that we can thrive. But if you have a society that is not set up to accept you as you are, to label you and to completely cast you out, then it's just kind of like, you know what, you you kind of feel like you just exist as nothing, but you have that purpose. You know, just going back to what we've been talking about and why we do what we do, I just wish a lot of people would take the time instead of you know, throwing out a diagnosis and operating off the stigma, a stigma, know what you're talking about. Do some research on it. It doesn't hurt. One of the great things about ADHD is just how far you can get by learning about it. It's not like schizophrenia where you can learn a lot about it and become an expert, but you still have schizophrenia and you're still going to really be affected by that, right? Like the runway is not as long in some of the more severe and intense mental health disorders. Mm -hmm. For ADHD, there's a really long runway if you learn about it. You can treat yourself and get a lot of change on your own, even without even using a coach, without using a clinician. Obviously, those things are going to make it easier to get that change and make it easier to learn the stuff you need to learn. But you can do a lot of it on your own by learning about the disorder. And that's, I mean, people listening to this podcast are doing just that, right? Go to How to ADHD, right? Go to ADHD Rewired. Check out the other supports that exist. Grab some books. It's a big deal the more we learn about it. It's about making space to learn. It's not hard to do that. Uh, We want somebody else always to do that, or we need to go to a book. How is that person, that expert that you're using as a resource, how are they able to get their information? They took that time to do it. They took that time to, to build that platform. You can do the same thing too. And I know for me, it makes me super happy when people actually want to know about what it is that our mind deals with on the daily um, versus saying like, oh, well, you must have this. I feel bad for you. Like for one, I don't need your pity whatsoever because I'm not even pitying myself. I'm just like you. I just take things in a little bit differently. But last time I checked, no two minds were alike in the first place. That's why we're all different and different is okay. It's a standout. I'd rather stand out than to go along with the crowd. Yeah. Well, of course you stand out. You're outstanding. Like that's, that's the nature of, of the whole thing, right? Like we ADHD folks, we don't, we don't fit in all the time because we can shine a little brighter than everybody else. And sometimes that's annoying. And then, and then we usually like, we go home and crash, <laughs> right? Cause <laughs> like, I just, we crash and we're just like, dang it. Like I'm really by myself right now. No, somebody else is out there, but it's not you. <laughs> so like you just think, and I will tell you this for any ADHD listener that is listening to this. It is so amazing finding a group of people that exist just like you, that think like you, that get your quirks. I tell people, imagine going to a conference with 300 ADHD people 
in one room and somebody's trying to give a presentation. It is a freaking circus. <laughs> have you gone to the ADHD conference yet? I have not, but I've talked to uh, Renee Brooks, uh, Black Girl Lost Keys, who's like one of my really, really close friends. You got to come. She tells me about it and she's like, dude, I want to go. I wanted to go so bad. And I was actually going to get my ticket to go before COVID hit. But I know when evidently outside opens because it was never shut in the first place. <laughs> but <laughs> I want to I want to be a part of that experience because it's like people on the outside would see it as chaos. But we can just pick up right where everything left off like it's nothing because that's just how we are. The conference is an unreal experience. It's like nothing you've you've ever done before. I had never met Renee like Renee had been on the show, like she's it's between her and Cameron got for the people who have been on the show the most. I have to get her back on because Cam's up by one. <laughs> but the last in-person conference, the first person I saw was Renee. Like that was the first person I saw that I knew. I was like, Renee. And she was like, Brendan. And it just huge hugs. It was like we had known each other for 20 years, except that we'd never met in person before and speak to each other like inconsistently, let's say. Right. Like it's like. Every few weeks to a few months, we have like a really long conversation and then we just don't talk to each other for a little while. Yeah, because that's the nature of ADHD. It's the nature of like, I don't know, Internet connections, I guess. But it, the conference is phenomenal. I, I, I'd love to have you come. You can meet me and be like, you're short. Holy crap. Definitely can't wait till I can meet you and a lot of other people that are a huge just support family. Sometimes your best supporters are those that you've never met a day in your life. So just being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with the audience? I would love for people to just continue to support these neurodiverse resources that we have, such as this podcast, which is amazing. You come away just learning so much. And there are so many people that are just like us that just want to be heard. Give them that time of day. And one of the things also I want people to do is just, if you're going through a hard time right now, give yourself some grace. Give yourself some grace at the fact that you can even just sit down and and just recognize that, hey, this is kind of tough. You're being aware. You're being a human. And for that moment that you have right there, you have another opportunity to correct something that has not served you the correct way. There is hope. It's there. You're not alone. You're never going to be alone. You got a whole group on social media all the way out there that we are more than welcome to welcome you right on in. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com, and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.